story three of a mirror of shalott by robert hugh benson this librivox recording is in the public domain story three father brent's tale it was universally voted on monday that the englishman should follow father murren and we looked with some satisfaction on his wholesome face and steady blue eyes as he took up his tale after supper mine is a very poor story he began after the one we heard on saturday and what is worse there is no explanation that i have ever heard that seemed to me adequate perhaps some one will supply one this evening i feel very much like the aunt in london whom monsignor has such sympathy with he drew at his cigarette smiling and we settled ourselves down with looks of resolute science on our features i at least was conscious of wishing to wear one after my ordination to the subdiaconate i was in england for the summer and went down to stay with a friend on the fall at the beginning of october my friend's house stood on a spot of land running out into the estuary there was a beechwood behind it and on either side there was a small embankment on which the building actually stood of which the sea-wall ran straight down on to the rocks so that at high tide the water came halfway up the stonework there was a large smoking-room looking the same way and a little paved path separated its windows from the low wall we had a series of very warm days when i was there and after dinner we would sit outside in the dark and listen to the water lapping below there was another house on the further side of the river about half a mile away and we could see its lights sometimes about three miles upstream that is on our right lay truro and falmouth as far as i remember about four miles to the left but we were entirely cut off from our neighbours by the beech woods all around us and except for the house opposite might have been clean out of civilization father brent tossed away his cigarette and lit another he seemed a very sensible person i thought unlike the excitable frenchman and his manner of speaking was serene and practical my friend was a widower he went on but had one boy about eleven years old who i remember was to go to school after christmas i asked franklin my friend why jack had not gone before and he told me as parents will that he was a peculiarly sensitive boy a little hysterical at times and very nervous but he was less so than he used to be and probably his father said if he was allowed time school would be the best thing for him up to the present however he had shrunk from sending him he has extraordinary fancies he said and thinks he sees things the other day and then jack came in and he stopped and i clean forgot to ask him afterwards what he was going to say now if any one here has ever been to cornwall he will know what a queer county it is it is cramful of legends and so on every one who has ever been there seems to have left his mark you get the phoenicians in goodness knows what century they came there for tin and some of the mines still in work are supposed to have been opened by them cornish cream too seems to have been brought there by them for i need not tell you perhaps that the stuff is originally cornish and not devon then solomon some think sent ships there though personally i believe that is nonsense but you get some curious names marazion for instance which means the bitterness of zion that has made some believe that the cornish are the lost tribes 
then you get a connection with both ireland and brittany in names language and beliefs and so on i could go on forever they still talk of going to england when they cross the border into devonshire then the people are very odd real celts with a genius for religion and the supernatural generally they believe in pixies they have got a hundred saints and holy wells and holy trees that no one else has ever heard of they have the most astonishing old churches there is one convent at lanhern i think where the blessed sacrament has remained with its light burning right up to the present and lastly all the people are furious wesleyans so the whole place is a confusion of history a sort of palimpsest as the father rector here would tell us a cross you find in the moor may be pagan or catholic or anglican or most likely all three together and that is what makes an explanation of what i am going to tell you such a difficult thing i did not know much about this when i went there on the third of october but franklin told me a lot and he took me about to one or two places here and there to truro to see the new cathedral to Paranzubilo, where there is an old mystery theatre and a church in the sands and so on and one day we rode down to falmouth the estuary is a lovely place when the tide is in you find the odd combination of seaweed and beech trees growing almost together the trees stand with their roots in saltish water and the creeks run right up into the woods but it is terrible when the tide is out great sheets of mud with wreckage sticking up and draggled weed and mussels and so on about the end of my first week it was high tide after dinner and we sat out on the terrace looking across the water we could hear it lapping below and the moon was just coming up behind the house i tossed over my cigarette end and heard it fizz in the water and then i put out my hand to the box for another there wasn't one and franklin said he would go indoors to find some he thought he had some nesters in his bedroom so franklin went in and i was left alone it was perfectly quiet there was not a ripple on the water which was about eight feet below me as i got up from my chair and sat on the low wall there was a sort of glimmer on the water from the moon behind and i could see a yellow streak clean across the surface from the house opposite among the black woods it was as warm as summer too father brent threw his cigarette away and sat a little forward in his chair i began to feel more interested he was plainly interested himself for he clasped his hands round a knee and gave a quick look into our faces then he looked back again at the fire as he went on then across the streak of yellow light and where the moon glimmered i saw a kind of black line moving it was coming toward me and there seemed to be a sort of disturbance behind i stood up and waited wondering what it was i could hear franklin pulling out a drawer in the bedroom overhead but everything else was deadly still as i stood it came nearer swiftly it was just a high ripple in the water and a moment later the flat surface below heaved up and i could hear it lapping and splashing on the face of the wall it was exactly as if some big ship had gone up the estuary i strained my eyes out but there was nothing to be seen there was the glimmer of the moon on the water the house lights burning half a mile away and the black woods beyond there was a beach rocks and shingles on my right curving along toward a place called meops 
and i could hear the wave hiss and clatter all along as it went upstream then i sat down again i cannot say i was exactly frightened but i was very much puzzled it surely could not be a tidal wave there was certainly no ship it could not be anything swimming for the wave was like the wave of a really large vessel in a minute or two franklin came down with the nesters and i told him he laughed at me said it must have been a breeze or the turn of the tide or something then he said he had been in to look at jack and had found him in a sort of nightmare tossing and moaning he had not wakened him he said but just touched him and said a word or two and the boy had turned over and gone to sleep but i would not let him change the subject i persisted it had been a really big wash of some kind he stared at me take a cigarette he said i found them at last under a hat but i went on at him it had made an impression on me and i was a little uncomfortable it is bosh he said but we will go and see if you like the wall will be wet if there was a big wave he fetched a lantern and we went down the steps that led round the side of the embankment into the water i went first until my feet were on the last step above the water he carried the lantern then i heard him exclaim you are standing in a pool he said i looked down and saw that it was so the steps three of them at least were shining in the light of the lantern i put out my hand for the lantern held on to a ring by my left hand and leaned out as far as i could looking at the face of the wall it was wet and dripping for at least four feet above the mark of the high tide i told him and he came down and looked too and then we went up again to the house we neither of us said very much more that evening the only suggestion that franklin could make was that it must have been a very odd kind of tidal wave for myself i knew nothing about tidal waves but i gathered from his tone that this certainly could not have been one we sat out about half an hour more but there was no sound again when we went up to bed we peeped into jack's room he was lying perfectly quiet on his right side turned away from the window which was open but there was a little frown i thought on his forehead and his eyes seemed screwed up the priest stopped again we were all very quiet the story was not exciting but it was distinctly interesting and i could see the others were puzzled perhaps what impressed us most was the very matter-of-fact tone in which the story was told the rector put in a word during the silence how do you know it was not a tidal wave he asked well, it may have been father said the young priest but that is not the end he filled his lungs with smoke blew it out and went on nothing whatever of any interest happened for the next day or two except that franklin asked a boatman at meopas whether he had heard anything of a wave on the monday night the man looked at us and shook his head still looking at us oddly i was in bed early he said on the thursday afternoon franklin got a note asking him to dine in truro to meet someone who had come down from town i told him to go of course and he went off in his dog-cart about half-past six jack and i dined together at half-past seven and i may say we made friends he was less shy when his father was away i think franklin laughed at him a little too much hoping to cure him of his fancies the boy told me some of them though that night 
i don't remember any of them particularly but i do remember the general effect and i was really impressed by the sort of insight he seemed to have into things he said some curious things about trees and their characters perhaps you remember macdonald's fantasties it was rather like that he was fond of beaches i gathered and thought himself safe in them he liked to climb them and to think that the house was surrounded by them and there was a lot of things like that he said i remember too that he hated cypresses and cats and the twilight but i am not afraid of the dark he said i like the dark as much as the light and i always sleep with my windows open and no curtains monsignor maxwell nodded abruptly i could see he was watching i know he said i knew another child like that well went on father brent the boy said good night and went to bed about nine i sat in the smoking-room a bit for it had turned a little cold and about ten stepped out onto the terrace it was perfectly still and cloudy i forget whether there was a moon at any rate i did not see it there was just the black gulf of water with the line of light across it from the house opposite then i went indoors and shut the windows i read again for a while and finished my book i had said my office so i looked about for another novel then i remembered there had been one i wanted to read in franklin's room overhead so i took a candle and went up jack's room was over the smoking-room and his father's was beyond it on the right and there was a door between them both faced the front remember franklin's room had three windows two looking on to the river and one upstream toward truro over the beach i spoke of before i went in there and saw that the door was open between the two rooms so i slipped off my shoes for fear of disturbing the boy and went across to the bookshelf that stood between the two front windows all three windows were open franklin was mad about fresh air i was bending down to look at the backs of the books and had my finger on the one i wanted when i heard a kind of moan from the boy's room i stood up startled and it came again why he had had a nightmare only three days before i remembered as i stood there wondering whether it would be kind to wake him i heard another sound it was a noise that came through the side window that looked up the beach and it was the noise of a breaking wave the priest made a momentary pause and as he flicked the end of his cigarette i saw his fingers tremble very slightly i didn't hesitate then but went straight into the room next door and as i went across the floor heard the boy moaning and tossing it was pitch dark and i could see nothing i was thinking that tidal waves don't come downstream then my knees struck the edge of the bed jack i said jack there was a rustle from the bedclothes and i should have thought long before he could have awakened i heard his feet on the floor and then felt him brush past me then i saw him outlined against the pale window with his hands on the glass over his head then i was by him taking care not to touch him all this took about five seconds i suppose from the time when i heard the wave on the beach i stared out now over the boy's head but there was nothing in the world to be seen but the black water and the glimmer of the light across it jack was perfectly silent but i could see that he was watching he didn't seem to know i was there then i whispered to him rather sharply what is it jack what do you see 
he said nothing and i repeated my question then he answered almost as if talking to himself ships he said three ships now i swear there was nothing there i thought it was a nightmare nonsense i said how can you see them it's too dark oh, i light in each he said in the bows blazing as he said it i saw his head turning slowly to the left as if he was following them then there came the sound of the wave breaking on the stonework just below the windows are you frightened i said suddenly yes said the boy why i don't know then i saw his hands come down from the window and cover his face and he began to moan again come back to bed i said but i daren't touch him i could see he was sleepwalking then he turned went straight across the room still making an odd sound and i heard him climb into bed i covered him up and went out father brent stopped again he had rather a curious look on his face and i saw that his cigarette had gone out none of us spoke or moved then he went on abruptly well you know i didn't know i was frightened exactly until i came out onto the landing there was a tall glass there on the right hand of the staircase and just as i came opposite i thought i heard the hiss of the wave again and i nearly screamed it was only the wheels of franklin's dog-cart coming up the drive but as i looked in the glass i saw that my face was like paper we had a long talk about the phoenicians that evening franklin looked them out in the encyclopedia but there was nothing particularly interesting well that's all give me a match father this beastly thing's gone out it's a spaghetto we had no theories to suggest monsignor was temerarious enough to remark that the story was an excellent illustration of his own views End of story three